Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey there, and welcome to another week of the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Drew Silva. What's up, Drew? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm great. I've really got nothing as far as his, his intros go today. Been watching a lot of Olympics. Right. Um, I, it was sad to see the women's volleyball team lose today. I, I didn't notice any. I was I was riding waiver wired, so I've sort of I've had baseball on mute all afternoon and just sort of had that in the background. Um, yeah. All I'm thinking about right now is just eating sushi once this is over. Um, that's sort of like a ritual for me every week after the podcast. Now um, I'm not sure if you're much of a sushi guy. I mean, I, I love sushi, but I, I live in St. Louis. Yeah. So, so it's like it's they don't really pull like fresh tuna out of the Mississippi River. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw, I've had, yeah. I mean, I've had good sushi like on on the East Coast. Yeah, I see you. I see you tweet out pictures of like barbecue, which where you are that makes sense, but not not so much of the sushi. And I I, I get it. I get it. I usually go out for uh, Mexican food with my roommates on on thursday nights after the podcast so we both kind of have a ritual exactly so dog days of summer right now but things starting to heat up uh we're getting toward the home stretch for many fantasy owners and and probably safe to say that we're in scoreboard watch territory for the various playoff races around major league baseball but before we get into the headlines for the week wanted to give some love to our sponsor mac weldon uh they specialize in men's basics so you have your underwear your t-shirts polo shirts socks hoodies you name it, they have you covered with smart designs and comfortable fabrics. I went to the Yankees game this past Sunday, and it was brutally hot in New York, hottest weekend of the year. Uh, but I was pretty comfortable under the circumstances in my Mack Weldon gear. It breathes well, and you don't have to sacrifice style. Try it out for yourself. Go to MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N, and take 20% off using the promo code ROTOB. That's R-O-T-O-B, all caps, Trust me when I say you're going to dig it, too. Go to MacWeldon.com. And since I just mentioned the Yankees there, I figure we should start with them. Of course, Alex Rodriguez said his goodbye to Yankees fans last Friday, which was interesting for all sorts of reasons. First, uh, that pregame ceremony. Did you, did you see that at all? No, I didn't see any of it, actually. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a black cloud over Yankee Stadium during the ceremony. Uh, and then it ultimately <laughs> got cut short due to a thunderstorm. So it was just hilarious and perfect basically. yeah that's real that's fitting yes uh and then a rod of course had an rbi double in the first inning 
Um, went hintless the rest of the way, but ended up playing uh, third base for one out in the ninth inning. Got a nice ovation uh, when he left the game. And this was like something that two years ago I think would have been unimaginable that he that he would leave the Yankees under these circumstances, getting cheered as he goes off the field. Um, and then really on good terms with the Yankees. Um, maybe this year didn't go as planned for A-Rod, but it's hard to believe he was going to get a better send-off than that. Yeah, I mean... A-Rod started playing baseball in 1994 when I was seven years old. So <laughs> he like, I, I'm, I've, I've grown up with him. That's, that's when you start like becoming aware of the world, like sure. at age seven and aware of major league baseball. And, um, I grew up an Orioles fan actually. So, right. um, you know, I was familiar with him being an, being an American league guy, his whole career. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I, I've always liked A-Rod. I know he's been kind of a hated figure for a lot of, of the time, especially after he left Seattle for big money. Um, but I don't know, maybe at the end of his career, he kind of revitalized his his uh, public persona a bit with the help of social media, I think. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, he just seems like a, a fun-loving dad. He, I know he, he credits his daughters for helping get him into social media, and I, I, it gives you a different side of him. Yeah, most of his tweets just make me laugh. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think over the past year and a half, he's sort of been under his best behavior. You can't really point to any one thing. Even when he's been benched over the past month or so, um, you know, he's behaved well under the circumstances. It's just a shame that he realized it sort of too late. I think he's a guy who just always wanted to be liked so much, um, mm-hmm. and it's why he went to all these extremes. Um but at least good to see him go out that way. And, and we know now that uh, he's not going to play again this season. Of course, there was a speculation about the Marlins, but it seems like we've heard the last of him at least for this year. Yeah, I, and I don't really see him returning at age 42. It, it just doesn't seem realistic to me. I, I guess because he is so close to 700 homers, he's at 696 right now. Maybe maybe he signs a, a deal with a, te- a team in the American League or something, but... I don't know. This this might be it. So he finishes fourth on the all-time home run list uh, behind Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth. Third on the all-time RBI list behind only Aaron and Ruth. You know, over 3,000 career hits, $420 million in career earnings. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, tw- yeah, $21 million of which is still owed next year from, from New York. Yeah, I mean, a, a remarkable career and a guy I – grew up watching and, and and have always liked because i mean he's he's polarizing but he's he's a, a joy to watch play. yeah my, my brother's a diehard yankees fan and just hates him can't stand yeah. him uh which <laughs> i guess i understand but I, I my retort to my brother's always like well you never would have won a world series in 2009 if it wasn't for him so sure and i mean blame the gm blame ownership for that one right um, and I don't think you could have scripted a better way for the Yankees to turn the page, actually. Uh, brought up Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin on Saturday. Ended up hitting back-to-back homers in their first major league at bats. First time that's ever happened. Uh, Judge homered again on Sunday, uh, which was a laser shot to right center field, just eked over the fence. Uh, Gary Sanchez also homered that day. He's had three more in the past two games. So baby bombers, super interesting right now. Yeah, I mean, the the youth movement is on in the Bronx. And I think, I mean, it looks really promising. We discussed this on our post-trade deadline podcast. Um, I mean, they're, they're pretty stocked, that farm system. And, and a lot of those guys are in the majors right now, like Judge and Austin and Gary Sanchez. Uh, 
Judge is just a behemoth of a man, like six foot seven. I think he's listed at two seventy five. There was a a group of WWE wrestlers at Yankee Stadium earlier this week, and uh, there was a picture of Judge with, posing with a few of them. And is, isn't the the big show listed at like seven foot four hundred and forty pounds? I know yes, that's like I, I doubt he's a, he might not actually. I think he might be a little taller than seven foot, if I remember correctly, but they tend to exaggerate, so you never know. Yeah, I'm, but like standing next to Judge, he just looked like a normal guy. Yeah, he big was just, show. just hanging with these seven <laughs> footers, no big deal. Uh, but yeah, obviously he's been compared to Giancarlo Stanton, just physique-wise, um, which is understandable, but has had that hype sort of surrounding him. Um, when he went to AAA initially last year, struggled a bit, but this year uh, picked it up, made some progress there. Um, you know, and being in Yankee Stadium, obviously reason to be optimistic there. He started out, I believe he was hitting eighth initially, uh, but has already been moved to the middle of the lineup there. And I think we should get used to that for the next decade or so. Um, but with Austin, I think he has the tougher path to mixed league value just because he's a part-time guy right now between the outfield and first base. But still nice to see him making an impact. This is a guy who was a former top 100 prospect, but fell off the radar a bit, a bit due to injury. Yeah, kind of a post-type guy. Yep. Back To bring it back to Judge, though, he has um, two homers, a double, through his first five major league games. Um, he had 19 homers, 65 RBIs at AAA, um, 32nd overall pick in 2013 out of Cal State Fresno. And I think you, if you look at him, you think, oh, this is like one of those all-or-nothing power-type guys, but he had a 373 career on base percentage in the minors, so he, that's, that doesn't really fit his profile. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player, a really good fantasy player for sure, You know, taking half of his at-bats at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and all the other hitter-friendly parks in the, in the ALE, so yeah. reason to be optimistic about him for sure. Uh, with Gary Sanchez, uh, we know now Brian McCann will see most of his at-bats out of the DH spot, which... It's probably the way it should be uh, with the Yankees looking toward the future. They might as well give Sanchez as much time as possible behind the plate. Um, and McCann's had a miserable second half, hitting just 183, one home run, 524 OPS, and on the whole, highest strikeout rate of his career. Uh, turns 33 next February. He's owed $17 million in 2017 and 2018. Um, I think maybe the idea to put him into the DH spot is – you know, get him, get him out from behind the plate with that wear and tear. Maybe he finishes the season strong, and they can trade him during the off season. Yeah, I mean, there was talk of the Braves expressing interest around the trade deadline, and I know they want to have good attendance numbers in their first year at the Cobb County taxpayer funded. <laughs> uh, so I think it's called SunTrust Park. Yeah, um, but I like that name. I like that name better. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, so, so I, I think he's a real McCann is a real trade candidate. Like you said, he's he's owed around fifty two million dollars still on that eighty five million dollar deal. Um, I, I, he he hasn't been horrible overall this year. Like you said, a, a poor second half. Uh, I could see there being trade interest, maybe even beyond the Braves. Yeah. Um, to bring it back to Sanchez, he's hitting three ninety one with five homers and 11 RBI in 12 games since his promotion. And some of those have been towering shots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't think I really saw this coming necessarily. Like he wasn't having a huge year at triple a, but he's been a top 100 prospect for like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like 
it, it feels like he should be older than 23 right. just for from how long I've been hearing about him. Yeah, um, I, I think he was one of those guys who signed when he was 16. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a pretty legit player. Yeah, legit I mean, I think, I think next year, you know, we may be looking at him as a fringe top 12 fantasy catcher. Um, that certainly makes sense. Um, but going back to the Braves, uh, they brought up a prospect this week. Their top prospect, Dansby Swanson, um, after they traded Eric Ibar to the Tigers. Swanson, of course, was the number one overall pick last year. Ended up being traded to the Braves in the much maligned Shelby Miller deal over the winter. Uh, the Braves, of course, also got Ender and Ciarte and Aaron Blair in that deal. Dave Stewart, man. Uh, by, by the way, did you see that piece that uh, Keith Law of ESPN uh, wrote today about the Diamondbacks front office? I did. I did. Uh, Dave Stewart and Tony La Russa not yeah. understanding the international bonus structure. And, yeah. and Stewart tried a, a trade with a GM, and the GM had to, the other GM had to explain that it was like against the rules. Yeah, you can't do that, Dave. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of nice pieces in Arizona. And, God, if I'm the owner, I'm considering an overhaul even after just two years yeah, with, that, with that regime. It's been a brutal year for for the Diamondbacks, even though they they've taken care of the Mets in in, in the past week or so, which is depressing on my end anyway. But uh, just consider that Shelby Miller's in, toiling in Triple A right now, and Swanson's in the majors. But anyway, uh, back to Swanson. Braves president of baseball operations John Hart admitted this week that Swanson might not be ready for the majors, but they wanted to bring him up as they look toward 2017 and see if he can be a solution at shortstop to begin the year. So. Uh, what are you thinking on him right now from a fantasy perspective? I mean, he had a 745 OPS at Double A this year. Um, a bit of a bit of power, nine homers, a bit of speed, 13 steals in 105 games. But and he did go two for four in his major league debut on Wednesday night against the Twins. Um, but I, I just he doesn't really do anything for me fantasy wise this year. Um, but Maybe next year and like especially 2018 and beyond, uh, he seems like a, a really well-rounded player, um, not someone you give up for Shelby Miller, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I looked up some Shelby Miller stats. Oh, go by for the way. it. Well, he, d- he allowed 10 hits in his last start at AAA Reno, and I thought that was funny right. in, in context. <laughs> right. Well, I think, you know, Swanson long-term, he's not going to be one of those guys that that probably stands out in any one fantasy category, but I think he's going to contribute in all of them. Um, but you, yeah, I think when you consider, you know, the double a numbers don't really blow you away, skip triple a altogether. I kind of see him as more like what, what I was saying with Orlando Arcia a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think you can pass for now in most mixed leagues. And I wrote waiver wire today, Thursday, and I did not include him in the column. I, I just think there are way too many more interesting options at shortstop and middle infield, so you can probably pass on him for now, but long-term, certainly an interesting guy. Um, the, the, the Braves did trade Eric Ibar to the Tigers to open up shortstop, so he's going to play every day, but, sure. but yeah, I don't, I don't see him producing enough. And it, it is a small enough sample that he could produce. Yeah, you never great, know. You know, but, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't roll the dice. Shortstop has been a, a good position this year, fantasy-wise. For sure. Uh, so we should get into someone you actually wrote about in Thursday's Daily Dose, and that's Aaron Nola with the Phillies. He's officially done for the year. Uh, after visiting with Dr. James Andrews, he was diagnosed with a low-grade sprain of the ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow, 
and also low-grade strain of his flexor tendon and uh, certainly explains some of the struggles we saw. Um, so what can we expect moving forward here? The hope is that he can just rehab these injuries and won't requ- require surgery. I think we've heard that line before and it hasn't worked out, but um, Philly's GM, Matt Klentex, seemed, seemed pretty optimistic about it. Um, Nola got off to a great start this year. I mean, in in our early podcast, when we started this thing, we were really hyping them up, uh, a 2.65 ERA and 85, 15 K to walk over his first 78 innings. And then, uh, a 9.82 ERA and just a really bad K to walk over his final eight starts. Um, and his fastball was flux, his fastball velocity was fluctuating from outing to outing. And I think, he said that he doesn't believe the struggles are related to the elbow and forearm issues, but I think, yeah, they probably were. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's supposed to be ready for the start of spring training next February. And if all the signs are good, um, I'm going to be drafting him in a lot of leagues because I think because his numbers overall look poor, I think he'll, he'll be a good value. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's my take on him. Yeah, I mean, there was a start back on, uh, it was exactly a month ago, actually, July 18th. He, he threw six scoreless innings, uh, struck out five, and walked one. I thought he was back uh, watching that start, and I picked him up in a bunch of leagues where he was dropped, but then gave up nine runs over his final two starts before being shot down, uh, shut down. So he got these uh, the, uh, platement, platement-rich plasma shots in his elbow, and as you mentioned, surgery won't be necessary, at least at this time, but... Anytime you hear UCL, it makes me mm-hmm. super nervous. Um, so who knows how he'll feel when he ramps things up during spring training. But given the way that he finished and the questions over his elbow, I, I think he's going to be a late round guy in mixed leagues anyway. So you're probably not going to be risking a lot to find out next year if you draft him. So there's always the chance that he could pay off pretty big if he's feeling good. So I think he's definitely someone to target, but we'll just have to track his progress during the winter. Um, another guy, it's going to probably be a while before we see this, this pitcher as well. That's Zach Wheeler with the Mets, uh, was recently scratched from a minor league rehab start and has been diagnosed with a flexor strain in his elbow. Uh, the original hope was that he would be back around mid season, uh, something like that, but now looks like he'll miss his second straight season. And, and what's crazy with all these Mets starters, you know, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Mats, and Wheeler, they have never been in the rotation all at the same time. And uh, it might be time to wonder if that's ever going to happen. Um, so that's my sad Mets thought for today, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that is sad. Um, another guy with elbow problems is Nate Eovaldi, uh, who was diagnosed yesterday with a – actually, this was Tuesday uh, – with a torn flexor tendon and a partial tear of his ulnar collateral ligament. Um, actually, the flexor tendon tore completely off the bone. Ouch. He's going to need two procedures technically, and he will not be pitching in 2017. Um, he was a pretty popular name at, at the trade deadline. I think the teams that were interested in him are, are glad they didn't pull that trigger. Um, he would have been arbitration eligible for the final time this winter, but I'm assuming he's going to be non-tendered unless the Yankees work out some kind of deal where he rehabs for a che- – I, I don't know. Probably not. He's going to get non-tendered. Um, and then he's probably going to have to accept like a, a low base salary one year deal leading into 2018 to try to rebuild his career. 
he's only 26 years old right now. He throws hard. We've seen sparks of really good stretches. Um, it's tough making a lot of starts at Yankee Stadium and in the AL East. So, uh, I don't know. Moving into 2018, I think some team's going to take a chance on him, and he'll be far enough removed from those surgeries that he could be a good gamble. But Yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel like I've been including him as like a possible breakout pitcher like every spring for the past three years. Um, yeah. So it's going to be a little weird to not do that next year. Um, well, he, he averages like, what, 96, 97 miles per hour on his fastball, which is crazy for a starter. But he, he's never really gotten a lot of strikeouts. It's it's weird. No, nah, that's he, true. He's yeah. a weird pitcher. But um, mm-hmm. we're running a little short on time, so we're going to get to the mailbag in a minute. But sometimes we have random player notes that don't really fit into a larger discussion. So we want to throw those into one category, which we're, we're calling our bat flips of the week. So thank you to Jose Bautista and Ioana Cespedes for the inspiration for that. I appreciate it. Uh, so, Drew, who do you have on your mind this week? Well, a guy who I also included in my daily dose, and I know he was in waiver wire as well, is Brandon Moss, um, who's kind of flown under the radar this year, but he's been pretty productive the whole summer. Currently owned in only 38% of Yahoo leagues at last check. That's probably going up, you know, hour by hour. Sure. Um, had a his third straight two hit game on Wednesday in Houston uh, that included a massive three run homer off a lefty reliever and Moss is a lefty swinging guy so kind of an impressive homer um, he has nine hits four homers seven RBIs over his last six games and a, a nine twenty four OPS with twenty two home runs and 90, 90 total games this season. Um, I think the Cardinals are, are going to have to lean heavily on him because Matt Holiday underwent thumb surgery today, today being Thursday, and, and Matt Adams is on the disabled list with a shoulder injury, and it's not clear when he's going to return. Um, I don't know, Moss, back in Oakland it, between like 2012 and 2014, was a really like good underrated hitter, really productive in a, in a tough ballpark. And then he had a hip hip surgery in 2004 at the end of the 2014 season, went to Cleveland, didn't do anything, um, and then joined the Cardinals last summer and finished strong. And then this year he's been terrific. And I, I think it, you can relate it back to the hip surgery. I mean, as a hitter, you need to be able to swing your hips, obviously, to to put power into a baseball. And uh, the, the further he moves away from that, the, the better he has slugged. And I think he's he's in a position to finish strong. He has the tools to finish strong. He's going to be playing every day. Um, he's definitely a guy I, I would own in a, in a standard 12-team, 10-team league. Yeah, I put this in waiver wire today that if you go by it, bats per home run, Moss has homered more, frequ- more frequently than anybody else in the majors this season. Um, and that's with, uh, going by players with at least 200 plate appearances. So he's ahead of Edwin Encarnacion and Mark Trumbo. So you're right. It definitely has flown under the wa- under the radar and somebody who should be owned in most leagues at this point. Did you have a, a bat flip? I did. Ha- I do have a bat flip. Um, and it's just basically, I think we should appreciate what Mookie Betts is doing right now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, certainly had momentum coming into the year, but... Even the most optimistic observers uh, have to be surprised here. Had a three-homer game and a two-homer game in the past week. He's now hitting 318, 28 homers, 89 RBI, 19 steals, 928 OPS, 
and we still have about 40 games to go. So these are video game-like numbers, and you have to also have to consider this is a guy who checks in at five foot nine and 180 pounds. It's just insane. And he leads the majors in total bases and runs scored. Uh, recently moved to the third spot in the Red Sox batting order after batting leadoff all year so that they can take better advantage of his power. He's an MVP candidate. Yep. I mean, if if you go by Fangraph's war, he's fourth in the league behind Trout, Altuve, Donaldson, and there's not a huge gap between those guys. So I mean, if if he finishes strong, he could very well win MVP. And this is this guy was a f- a fifth round pick. I know. I guess there were some signability issues, but um, a lot of t- a lot of teams are regretting passing on on that kind of talent. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably safe to say Mike Trout isn't going to win an MVP this year, even though. You know, he's the best player in the game. I don't think that's really a surprise that he's putting up up another typical Mike Trout season. Um, But I think it's probably going to be Betts or Altuve. Um, Donaldson has sort of really been on pace with what he did last year. Machado is having a nice year as well. But I think it's going to be either Betts or Altuve. And, of course, they're each five foot nine and under. (laughs) Yeah. Just just as a note, too, in the NL MVP race, I think it's – probably between Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. Um, and Bryant went five for five today, which, yeah. you know, as a Cardinals fan, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of no, wonder I, if maybe like the, the local votes or something like that would cancel each other out, or maybe just people voting for those guys will cancel each other out. And yeah. uh, someone like Daniel Murphy might win. Yeah, no, no. Murphy definitely has a case. He, he kind of has the narrative too, like with Harper having – somewhat down well uh, you know a down year murphy has really carried the nationals and and they're running away with the nl east he's got the narrative on his side for sure yep uh okay so we have time for three questions from the roto world mailbag before we go remember you can always get in touch with us at roto world baseball pod at gmail.com first up is a twitter question from cruise daddy 21 he asks if he should use wilson Contreras or chris davis that's with a k daily out of his left field spot um Contreras has started to play regularly uh in Chicago which is nice he's getting time between left field and catcher he actually caught Jake Arrieta today Thursday um for the first time I think I I could be wrong on that but it hasn't happened very often right um so he's Montero right right it is but I think Joe Madden said he had a talk with Montero that his role is going to be diminished. Gotcha. Um, and uh, just to add to that, C- Contreras uh, picked a guy off today with an 82.8 mile an hour throw. And um, according to the to the stat cast guys, throws from the catcher position are usually in the 78 to 82 mile per hour range because you know you're throwing from your knees or you're throwing from a crouch position. So that's impressive. I, I think he's been better defensively at catcher than, than I would have imagined, mm-hmm. um, being that he's a pretty big dude. Um, that All that said, I, I would have to go with Davis. Uh, 30 homers in 112 games this year. Contreras has seven homers in 50 games. That's a 162-game pace of 23 homers. So I, I just don't think he's there yet as an offensive player, and I think I mean, Davis is hitting cleanup for the A's every day. Contreras has been like 6th, 7th, 8th in the Cubs order. I think Davis is the safer pick. Certainly Contreras is the more upside type guy. Yeah, for me this isn't really a contest because 
basically catcher is where Contreras stands out. Um, and if you look at Davis, sure, he has his flaws, but, you know, 10 strikeouts for every walk, 292 on base percentage, but has a real shot at a 40 homer, 100 RBI season. And if you look at the past calendar year, which is 154 games for Davis, he has 45 home runs. Um, only Edwin Encarnacion has more. So again, I think this is a fairly easy one when we're talking about the context of outfielders. Um, mm-hmm. Our second question is from the real Kelder on Twitter. He can keep 11 players in a 20-team league. So basically, we're picking two players to keep from this group, and the players are Jorge Soler, Yulieski Gurriel, and Edwin Diaz. I love Edwin Diaz, like hard-throwing young closer for the Mariners. He's converted eight saves already this month with no-blown saves, has a 1.85 ERA for the year. But I think in a keeper league like this, you got to go with the position players, especially in this case. I mean, Solaire's hitting 379 with a 1265 OPS and four home runs in 10 games since returning from a hamstring strain. I still have a lot of faith in him. He won't turn 25 years old until next spring. Um, to me, he's still like a very high level prospect. I don't know if you'd call him a prospect anymore, but a very toolsy guy. Um, and he's going to be in a, a very good lineup for a long time. And then Guriel is, you know, kind of a mystery, but the stats from Cuba are insane. Um, and he has four doubles, two homers, and 14 RBIs in, in 13 minor league games. He's currently at AAA Fresno. Uh, probably gets called up this weekend or early next week. He's 32 years old, but I would I would guess that he has at least three good years left in him and. He can be one of your 11 keepers over those three years. So, yeah, it's Soler and Guriel for me. I'm actually going to go Soler and Diaz here. Um, oh. Yeah. And I say that just because Guriel's 32. Um, uh-huh. Hasn't played in the majors yet. Probably a few years removed from his peak in Cuba. I'm not doubting that he can be a quality contributor for a couple of years in fantasy leagues, but. I Solaire I like better uh, just because he's in his mid twenties. I still think he has star upside, um, though it might take a change of scenery uh, for him to get that. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, of course, coming back next year, and I understand it's not often you want to keep a closer. When I'm looking at this format, it's twenty teams and keep eleven players, um, so that's a that's a large pool of players you're able to keep. And the, the elite numbers that he's posted so far, I think Diaz is going to be a top 10 closer next year and maybe much higher, maybe as high as top five. Um, so given the depth of the league, I, I'm going to go Diaz and Solaire. I like the youth and I like the upside of Diaz at the closer spot. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. In a 20-team league, it's probably really hard to find closers. That's because... kind of where I was leaning. But yeah. it might be a situation where you can trade for a closer pretty easily too. You know, teams falling out of the race, so... Closers may be widely available, um, but I'm just going with youth. It's also a situation where those roles can change so easily. Like, what if the Mariners sign a role as Chapman this winter, you know? Yeah, I, I, the thing about Diaz is they, they gave up on him as a starter uh, early this season. I don't think they see him as a starter. I think they're committed to using him in the back end of that bullpen. I think he's a guy who... Obviously, things can change really quickly in the back end of bullpens. I think he's someone who could be an elite closer for you know a few years. It's so. probably a safe, probably a safe bet. Yeah. As far as young closers go, probably one of the safe, safest, uh, at least highest upside. 
Um, yeah. so, so our final question is from Z Crichton on Twitter. I hope I got that right. Uh, anyway, he says he just traded Steven Matz for Trey Turner in a dynasty league. It's a standard five by five where they keep 27 out of 29. Good, bad, or fair? I think, again, I'm going to side with the position player. Um, Turner has an 874 OPS, 12 steals, three homers in 30 games this season with Washington, uh, 77 stolen bases in 268 minor league games, along with 19 homers. Probably never going to be like a huge power threat, but he's a gap-to-gap speedster with, I think, the capability of putting up 30 steal and or 40 steal type seasons. And he plays shortstop. Or he'll, or he'll at least be eligible there. Um, so it's a pretty easy one for me, even though, I mean, you got to love young starters like Steven Matz. Yeah, I could I could see this working out for both sides, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but same as you, I usually go position player over pitcher in these situations. So it's no different for me here. Turner just has that dynamic speed that you're looking for. Um, and looking looking towards seven, 2017 and beyond, Full season batting leadoff. I mean, that gives him a ton of value in that lineup. With Mats, we know what the upside is. Uh, we saw him in you know his no hit bid over the weekend, uh, but there are in- injury questions there with him. Uh, has the bone spur in his elbow, uh, which could require surgery. And if the Mets fall out of it in the next couple of weeks, and it looks like they are, um, he could he could be shut down early and have that surgery. And there's going to be questions about him coming into next year. So. Position player is just a lot safer. Um, I think it's a fair deal, but I'd certainly rather be on the Turner side of things. So I think that's a good job by him. Yeah. Uh, before we close this out, I did have two more bat flips, and I think we might have time Go to for fit them in. All right. Ismani Tomas uh, has just exploded. Uh, 12 home runs in his last 19 games, 18 of those starts. Um, yeah, I, I might have stayed up late to watch all four of his home <laughs> runs against the Mets this week, so not a fun yeah. experience for me. I'm sleep-deprived. Uh, yeah, he had two homers, a triple, and six RBIs against the Mets on Wednesday night. Um, I think a lot of people gave up on Tomas in June because he was not having a good year. Andy, so not that it's fantasy-related, but he's a horrible defender um, in the outfield and at third base. Not that he's he hasn't played third in a while, but, but man, he can really hit. And he's up to an 833 OPS now, and obviously the home park is great. Um, I'm a believer in, in that bat, at least power-wise, and I think he's going to finish strong. Um, and then the other one is that Rich Hill is actually finally closing in on his Dodgers debut. He hasn't pitched in a game at any level since July 17th uh, when he was like still the in The craziest blister of all time. Yeah, man. It must be like a deep blister that has like run into some muscle tissue. I, I yeah. have no idea. Um, but, yeah, he hasn't pitched since July 17th when he was obviously still with the A's. Um, but he's he was scheduled to throw a simulated game today on Thursday in Arizona. I didn't hear anything about that during my news shift today, but I assume it, it happened. Um, and then if that goes well uh, – Manager Dave Roberts said that he he could slide into the starting rotation next week for a big three-game series against the Giants. Um, so that's something to think about. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people have, have dropped him just because it's been so long. Yep. Uh, um, I mean, he had a 2.25 ERA and 90 strikeouts and 76 innings with Oakland. 
Um, and he's and Dodger Stadium is a good place to pitch. He's on a good team. Um, so just keep that in mind. Right. Um, going back to Tomas for a second, I was looking at mm-hmm. hard hit rate on fan graphs, and uh, Tomas is right there among the league leaders. He's in the top 10. He's surrounded by names like Chris Bryant, Yuena Cespedes, Freddie Freeman, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Votto. So that's some really good company, hitting more fly balls, pulling the ball more. So that's really good for power. So I think he's a flawed player, as you mentioned, but definitely believe in that power, and he's in a good ballpark too. So um, that'll do it for us this week. Remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes and also to rate and review if you dig it. You can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Audio Boom. And if you like the show, tell a friend. We'd really appreciate it. You can find me at DJ Short on Twitter, and you can find Drew on Twitter at Drew Silve. I'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.